everybody. Welcome back to the Tummy Team Journey podcast. This is Kelly Dean and we have a very special episode today. This is actually going to be an interview of me by Jen Stevens. And if you guys have been following a little bit of my story from January when I talked a bit about my personal journey to look at intermittent fasting as an additional component to my health journey, I shared um, an episode back in January um, about losing 50 pounds before I turned 50 and how that journey has paralleled some of the core rehab stuff that I've done. And I had a really cool opportunity recently to be interviewed by the author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the intermittent fasting book that kind of guided my journey. And Jen Stevens is the author of that book, and she has a podcast. And she had me on her podcast, and I was able to share more about my journey to intermittent fasting, as well as so much more about what we do here at the Tummy Team and how there is a parallel lifestyle with both of those situations. So this is a little bit different than our typical podcast, but we really wanted to share it because it, I feel like, is a really cool option for people that want some information on the nutrition side of things. And that's not necessarily my expertise, but it is part of my journey. So join us today and uh, listen to this interview with Jen Stevens interviewing me this time. Everybody and welcome to episode 197 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Kelly Dean. Kelly lives in Camas, Washington, where she is a physical therapist with the Tummy Team. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad to have you here today. And, you know, I always like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, I, um, I'll give you some of my backstory and uh, then we'll get to the intermittent fasting because that's the most recent part of my backstory, but I think the backstory helps. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I was, I was a fairly lean kid and young adult. I was a, an athlete, a swimmer, um, and I never really thought much about, um, I mean, I normal, thought normal stuff about my body, but I didn't have a lot of body image issues. I was kind of the thinnest person in my family. My family is all kind of big boned, kind of larger women. I big chested and I was not big chested. I was pretty much just straight swimmer body. Right. And, you know, but about, but tall, like five, eight for fairly tall and just an athlete through high school. And I, I went to college on a swimming scholarship and I just kind of really had this relationship with my body that, you know, I could do whatever I wanted as long as I worked hard enough. And, you know, I never dieted. I never really, I mean, there were some times in college where our swim team went through a series of weighing us um, because we were doing, they were like checking our body fat and they were doing some stuff with the athletic trainers, like some studies and stuff. So 
I started to realize that I weighed more than everybody. Um, I never thought about it because I never really weighed myself, but I weighed more than everybody, um, even though I was not necessarily bigger than everybody. So then fast forward into like no longer a swimmer and my body shifted just like everybody's does when they stop competing at that level. But I still was fairly confident in my body, not a big issue. And then I started having kids and my journey to motherhood was a little precarious. I had a lot of miscarriages and um, a lot of fertility stuff. And I, I ended up having three children, but five miscarriages along the way. And they were all like, oh, no, second trimester. You know, they were all wow. like, right. That's so hard. When you thought you were okay. And right. it's a roller coaster. I call that season like just a roller coaster of ups and downs and emotions. And I really felt like my body was kind of failing me. And I had always just been able to trust my body to do what it was supposed to do. And I thought I'd just get pregnant and it would be easy and my body would bounce back. But um, I have learned that, you know, my body didn't bounce back. And some of the reasons was that just the the emotional trauma of all that led to me kind of disconnecting from my body at one point and also starting to kind of punish myself at another point, like with exercise and, and just kind of beating my body up a little bit because it was such a, a disappointment. And I didn't, I didn't see this at the time. This is kind of stuff I've learned along the way. But um, after I had um, a a few of my kids, I, uh, my body really transformed and, um, I got a, the chest that the rest of the women in my family had and, and I gained some weight and I perpetually looked pregnant and it was a tricky situation because I was pregnant a lot. I was pregnant and then I lost a baby and then I was pregnant and then I lost a baby. My belly always looked pregnant and it was a source of pain for me, for people to ask me if I was pregnant when I wasn't pregnant, when I was trying to get pregnant or I had just lost a baby. Right. It was just a really hard situation. And then after my last pregnancy, my last pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. It was like my latest miscarriage. And we were, we got off the roller coaster. We we're like, we got three kids. We're just, we're good. Um, and I thought like I could just start exercising and getting back into shape and that everything would just, my body would get back to whatever normal was, you know, this is 12 years later of all this fertility stuff. Um, and, and it, I did start to lose some weight, but I still looked more and more pregnant and I start, my body started to kind of fall apart. And I, all the time, I kind of never really thought about food. I always thought about my body in terms of fitness and what, what turned, what ended up happening was I was diagnosed with a diastasis recti, which I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but it's a separated abdominal wall where, which is yep. very common in prenatal and postpartum women, where your abdominal wall kind of stretches to the point where um, the two sides are, are connected, but by like cellophane instead of silly putty and it right. allows your organs to kind of fall out and you look pregnant all the time, but it also has all these other people think it's this cosmetic thing, this like mummy tummy, but it's really your core muscles hold you together. And now I have nothing holding me together. So not only are my organs hanging out, but like my back is going out, my pelvis going out, my pelvic floor is weak. And, and I feel like once again, cannot trust my body. 
You know, that's got to be a hard thing to be going through because, you know, our, our bodies are there for us. But when we start to to lose that trust and think, gosh, why is my body letting me down with all this fertility and the miscarriages and now my belly, there's something wrong. And yeah. I can only imagine, you know, you're, you're like really feel like you're fighting with your body instead yeah. of working as a team. Absolutely. And I, one thing I didn't mention is what during my pregnancies, because I had gained a lot of weight and, and then kind of lost a lot of weight. And I had always weighed more than the average person that looked at me you know, like people would be shocked when they heard like, oh, that's how much you weigh because I, I didn't look like that. You you had a lot of problem. You were very dense, like a lot of muscle. Yes, a lot of muscle, big bones, you know, so I would stand on the scale backwards um, when I went to get weighed at, at uh, my prenatal appointments because I didn't want to know the number. Like the number kind of started to freak me out. It was getting up to like 180, 190, you know, and I was just like that number, like I know what I'm doing to eat. I I don't want to think about that. I don't want to, I don't want to perseverate on that because I was dealing with enough. I was like, I, I can't, I can't even think about, oh my gosh, you know, that number. And that's funny because later, like people are like, what, what, what did you weigh before? I'm like, I don't know. I never weighed myself. (laughs) <laughs> I get it. I get it. I mean, you know, it's we're so connected to that number, but our bodies are so different. Have you ever seen that like lineup of women? They're all wearing like, I don't know, like white yeah. tank tops. And, and then it's like things. all of these women weigh 155 pounds. And they're all different shapes and sizes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that number, for some reason, for women, you know, when people would say, Oh, I need to get down to like my 120, I was like, 120 maybe I weighed that in middle school like right. what the heck like I can't even imagine that number so anyway I was diagnosed with this condition I didn't do this form of physical therapy I was a physical therapist as I worked in brain injury and stroke rehab at the time and when I was having my kids I worked in home health because it was flexible so this was not something I knew anything about and everything everybody told me surgery is the only option you need to get surgery but then you go for a plastic surgeon consult and it's like oh this is cosmetic it's not going to be covered by your insurance but you know yet my body's falling apart something's clearly wrong that's frustrating yeah it's so frustrating and I went on a journey to figure out how to heal it and that's how the tummy team was born I I created a business based on my journey to heal my core. And I was able to, I had a six finger wide diastasis, all these health issues. And I was able to fix it with rehab and postural changes and simple stuff like breathing and standing different and walking different and exercising differently. And it wasn't, I mean, once I figured it out, it it's not as hard as people think. And so then I created this, the tummy team and a big part of the tummy team has been working with women that are prenatal and postpartum. And as well as I work with men, I work with older women and it's always been not about aesthetics and not, even though, you know, it is what our belly looks like and, and not about weight loss because these women are in very precarious times and I'm not a nutritionist. So it's not, people ask me about food but it's not about been about that. It's always been about like, how do we strengthen these muscles and get your body, no matter what size you are, get your body looking a certain way. And I lost a lot of inches off my waist. I 
look strong. Um, but I was never lean again. Like after I had all the kids, I, I was never lean again. I was a thicker girl, maybe a size 12. I think like I would, if I had to guess, I probably averaged at about 185 and people would look at me and they, they knew that I was like, you know, I, I think it would resonate with people that I had a normal body type that I worked with. And it was very encouraging to people that I could do all these things. I returned to swimming older, you know, when I was 40, I now swim at a national level, able to do a lot of stuff. And I felt very, I, I, I don't know if I want to say I felt good about my body, but I felt connected to my felt good in your body, right? You felt, you felt like you and your body were a team now. Yes. I could trust it again. I was connected to my body. I have really good posture. And I think that goes a long way to your, your, how your body looks. And I, and I worked with so many women that were struggling with that, that I've just, you know, kind of embraced that this is my 40, almost 50 year old body. And then COVID hit. Oh yeah. I've heard this common theme in the last several podcasts I've listened to. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the one I recorded one yesterday, same thing. She's like, and then it was quarantine. (laughs) You know? And I I, if I had to go back to the ones I was recording in like January, February of 2020, when we're all like, this will be over soon. Oh, Well, it's it's interesting because I was fortunate. I was swimming a lot, um, and the pools closed down for a bit. But it was at a time where we couldn't swim in pools for a little bit, and then a lot of us got wetsuits and we swam in this lake near our house. And you know, oh, we're well. still swimming because swimming is like a form of like mental health for me. Um, right. And then the pools did open at this capacity and I had two memberships and I swam at two different pools at different days. I was swimming more than I did before because I didn't have as many things else going on in my life. So I swam almost seven days a week and I thought, oh, I'll be fine. But it really, I think it really was the stress. I mean, sure, it's the food and I'm Italian and we eat for everything. We eat when we're happy. We eat when we're sad. We eat when we're tired when we're bored. I mean, they're, I think Italians are the, um, the original emotional eaters. Um, but (laughs) maybe not, but, um, (laughs) I, I get it. We eat for everything, but I think really the amount of stress, I had to make some really hard decisions with my business to shift gears quite a bit. And I had my, my, I had two, two teenage girls at home and I had a young adult out of the house and all of their mental health really was struggling. And, and one of my, my middle child had a real mental health crisis and the weight of all of that stress, I think, yes, I was eating poorly, but I was, I was doing a lot of fitness stuff, but I just don't think I could process food the same plus, right? plus I was 49 and I'm, I'm perimetopausal, menopausal, and things are just shifting. And can I put in something else there? I mean, you know, a different a theory that I mean that that makes sense to me. You suddenly were going through a very emotionally stressful time, mm-hmm. and then also swimming a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Like I can imagine your body thinking, "We must be running from the enemy." Yeah, you know, it's like like real fight and flight. Like, yeah. Yeah. So all that increase in exercise, you know, we've been so conditioned to think, oh, eat less, move more. I'm moving more. I'm going to drop this weight. But instead your body's like, wait, this way too much. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you know, one of the things I preach to my clients so much is the, the importance of the rest and recovery phase of 
our life, not just our fitness, but like just life and kind of getting our body into that rest and digest, you know, that between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic that we can't live in this fight and flight all the time that we need to be in the right. rest and digest mode. Um, I didn't have any of that and I couldn't see it at the time because it's survival. Right. You know, and, and so I was starting to get a little heavier and I was asked to be a part of this proactive menopause course with a colleague. And I, I did some stuff and I started thinking a little bit more of like my season of life instead of all of my clients that were in the prenatal postpartum season of life. And I was like, I need to be more proactive because I don't think this is going to get better. And at that point, I started to notice some things about my relationship with food that I would be ravenous at times. I would eat and then I would get that hangry. And I all the stuff that I never really thought about food that way. I love to cook. I love to bake. I love to eat. I love to feed people. And I, I know I've heard the term that, you know, you build strength in the gym and you lose weight in the kitchen. But I really didn't do well anytime I deprived myself of food, I would binge. I would like, I if I said, okay, I'm not going to have carbs for a while, then I would just be crazy about carbs. Yeah. And it was just, it, it was unhealthy. Um, and I, but I really was so, I had watched so many people go on these diets and get gain more weight after that I was scared. I was scared about food. I was scared about like just, there's so much conflicting information about nutrition out there, what to do. Everything tells you the exact opposite. And it was just overwhelming. And I was already overwhelmed in my life. But I got to this point where I stood on the scale <laughs> and I was 212 pounds. And I was yeah. like, this, this is not going to change. I mean, I can either resign to being just kind of that fluffy older woman because I was still strong. If you saw, if you looked at my before pictures, they don't look that bad, but that weight. And I knew, like I knew I was carrying weight on my body and I felt the weight of it that I was not supposed to have. So my journey to intermittent fasting was my girlfriend, who's actually my assistant at the tummy team. She stopped drinking during COVID. She drank more during COVID and then realized that was an issue. So she stopped drinking first and then she started intermittent fasting. And she just said, she introduced it to me in the best way that I could have heard it. And I, this is how I introduce it to everybody else now. She said, I'm changing my relationship with food. And love it. That resonated with me because I could tell I had an unhealthy relationship with food. And I, if nothing else, I, I did not believe I would lose weight. But if nothing else, I wanted to not be a slave to like this, this ravenous eating, starving, ravenous eating. You know, I felt like, you know, I was in good health. My blood pressure is low, low cholesterol. You know, my blood sugar's fine, but I felt like I was like, this must be what pre-diabetic feels like, like this. Well, you know, you were on that blood sugar roller coaster all day, it sounds like to me. Yeah. And and if you understand how, you know, if, if you're eating frequently and you're having the hangries and the urge to eat all the time, you were probably, you know, you would eat, your blood sugar would rise to a normal level, but then over time it would go down and you would crash, then you're like, got to eat again. So it was constantly up, down, up, down, needing that next meal. And you were hungry. 
Yeah. And, and so when I first heard the term intermittent fasting, I was like, there's no way I could do that because, (laughs) because I have to, I'm crazy and I already have enough stress in my life. And I don't think my family could handle me being more crazy by starving myself or, and, you know, I swim and swimmers are just known for like, you get out of the pool and you need to eat. And I was like, there is just no way I can't eat after I swim. And those are all lies. I just want to say those are all lies because <laughs> it's it's so easy and it's so much easier than I ever thought it was going to be. But my girlfriend started and I thought, okay, well, I'll get the book. I really trust her. She's, she's really, I mean, she has dieted on and off, but she was really doing some really smart things. And I just, I liked having a partner. So I got your book um, and I loved the why behind everything it everything I do at the tummy team is teaching everybody the why there's a lot I want people to be educated this is the only body you get your whole life I don't want to be the only person with the secret information about how it works you should know how your core works how your pelvic floor works how your alignment works you should know and I wanted to know the why so I really appreciated that but I did just understand the clean the clean fast part Um, which I don't drink coffee. So that was helpful. The only thing is I swim in the morning and I thought, you know, and I had gotten back to only swimming like three, three, four days a week is what I typically do now. And I really thought that that was going to be, you know, swimming fasted was going to be the issue. It really wasn't. It really, it was never an issue. I never, it it was never an issue. The biggest thing I I started at like the eight hours um, and eight, at eight hour eating window. And that at first seemed really crazy. And every once in a while, I would just like, I, I, I love the graciousness of it. I was just like that. It's not like it's all or nothing. Like if I wanted to have popcorn that night, I'm going to have popcorn that night. I'm, I, I just opened my window. I would say, all right, I'm having popcorn tonight. But it was like once in two weeks, as opposed to every single night. Right. And I did use an app and that closing the window really helped me. And, and by the grace of God, I lost like, I don't know, 15 pounds in the first four weeks. And I, that's amazing. And and I know that's not a typical response, but I, I needed that kind of affirmation that I was moving the right way. And I felt like those, la- that, that last 15, those that first 15 pounds is the 15 pounds that had no business being on my body. Like it just, it was like stress 15 pounds. Like it was not. That's, yeah, I get it. It, it was resident on my body. <laughs> I want to circle back to the words that you used because that I, because I loved them when you talked about that, you, you enjoyed the graciousness of it. I don't think I've ever heard it phrased that way, but that is a really powerful way to look at intermittent fasting because we are so used to diet culture yeah. that tells us, you know, we're good, we're bad. You know, your episode um, actually doesn't come out until April 28th. So people listening on the day it comes out, it's April 28th. But we're recording this right after the new year. And, you know, in, in diet culture, we're all taught, oh, we're starting over because it's the new year. Yeah. And with intermittent fasting, the graciousness of it is, you don't stop. You don't start. You don't start over. You're, you're in the different seasons of, of the year, but that's okay. Yeah. And so you want to have a longer window for popcorn or on Christmas Day yeah. or on Mother's Day or whatever. That's okay because we're not punishing our bodies with this, 
you know, regimented program. It didn't feel punitive at all. It felt like a choice. And, and I, um, you know, like that first, that first cutting off my window and not just eating all day, like anytime I like, and, and like the funny things I laughed so hard at your book when it was like, let's bring food just in case I'm hungry. <laughs> let's eat now in case I'm oh, yeah. later. Like I did all of those things like, oh, let's always have snacks. You never know. Um, you never know. Like, like I would die if I don't eat for 20 minutes or an hour. Right. And the other thing to, I, I do a lot of <laughs> positive self-talk to myself. I would always say, I can absolutely, nobody is telling me I can't eat right now. I am choosing not to eat right now. I could have popcorn if I wanted to. Do I really want to have popcorn? And like, sometimes it's like, yeah, I do. And sometimes it's like, no, I just wanted to say I could have popcorn if I wanted to, you know, like. I get it. I mean, that be knowing that it's a choice and that you can can do what you want and you're in charge, that empowering part of know, knowing you're in charge is so important. One other thing that really shifted to me with my mindset was starting to appreciate the fast for what it was as well. You know, like we don't want to just be like living our lives till we can get to our eating window. Right. Like, and, and that's when, it, when I think when people struggle in the mindset of, well, I've got to go three more hours. Somebody in my, in my community the other day has renamed the hour right before she opens her window, the power hour. Yeah, She said she used to struggle through the, um, it's really, it's all about, like you said, it's like you're the mindset and what you tell yourself, the positive thinking. But she said she always would struggle watching the clock for that last hour till she flipped it and said, all right, this is the power hour. And this is when my body is really doing that fasted stuff that it needs to do. Yeah, so I'm going to embrace part. the power hour. Yeah. yeah, that last hour. And so now she like looks forward to the power hour itself. And she like, gets busy and does things and knowing. And then sometimes she said she forgets to even, you know, open her window. I have the same experience. I had the same experience. And I, and that's where it comes back for me to the why, like understanding what my body is doing. When I have a hunger pain, I say, you know, that's my body saying, you know, saying, are you going to feed me or should I eat on the stores you've been building up for the last 20 years? (laughs) Can I just tell you that's a hundred percent what's happening? Because I actually, I wore a CGM um, in the fall that I got from a company just to try it out. I wore it for two weeks, I think. And I, you know, I, I know how my body feels during the day. I've used a ketone breath meter. So I know when I'm in ketosis, mm-hmm. like I've verified, I know how I feel. So I was wearing this CGM and I would feel a little wave of hunger, maybe 11. I don't know, whenever it would happen mm-hmm. and maybe noon. And I would look at my, my blood glucose And that was exactly when my blood glucose would drop down into the 70s. Mm. Right when I would have that wave of hunger, my blood glucose was going down to right into the 70s where it would stay steady for the entire rest of my fast. And that was when I I could tell, I was like, yeah, that is my metabolic switch flipping. Yeah. That was a powerful thing to really see it right there. Like, I feel like, ooh, that's a fun choice. It's like, am I going to feed it or does it get to go to the pantry that I've already built up in my gut? (laughs) Yeah, it already has food stores there that I have been supplying for it for the last, you know, I've been feeding, you know, building up my store stores for a long time. Um, and, and, you know, I, once I got over that first, really that first week, I didn't spend seven days at each, like I went from six to seven or from an eight hour window to a seven hour window to a six hour window fairly smoothly with a couple, like I did like the grace. Like if I, you know, needed to flex 
fluctuate things around. I love that. I love the fact that I can, you know, have a longer window on one day, or I, if I am going to go out to dinner with my girlfriends that I just open my window up later that day, or if I'm going to go to brunch with my son, I open my window up earlier. You know, I like the fact that I can kind of move things around. Um, on, but in general, like it's fairly easy for me to kind of get into a maintenance mode and I cannot imagine eating all day again. Like even over Christmas, we did a cup, we did like, we had a brunch and a dinner. And I mean, after brunch, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to eat again in a couple hours. I can't. (laughs) Why would I do that? But I did because it was, you know, prime rib and it was delicious. But oh, yeah, I wanted to. (laughs) I in fact, I did on Christmas Day. And it's just like, like you said, at the beginning, you know, you're Italian, you celebrate, we celebrate with food. And there's no guilt with that. That's what, I mean, people have been celebrating with food ever since, you know, the harvest was coming in, you know, what, and if you went back, you know, a thousand years and said, you should feel guilty for celebrating with food. They would look at you like you were insane. Right. And I still celebrate with food, but it's just, it's just in a smaller window. I still bake. Yeah. I still, you know, and, and that's the other gracious thing I, I loved about it. And in the beginning, I know this is probably not the way you should do it, but this is what worked for me in the beginning. I really, there was a couple of terms that you used that were really empowering to me. The delay, not deny was so helpful. Like I can have that. I can have that. I'm just going to wait another hour before I have that. I or right. I can have that. And I I hear what you're saying. Like in the beginning, it is all about the, the eating window. And then it shifts to be more about the fasting window. But in the beginning, it is hard to not like be about like, what can I eat? When can I eat? And is this going to be enough food to fuel me till the next chance I get to get to this window? Because it's, it is a, somebody described it. The, one of your podcasts is a science experiment. You're kind of figuring out how much, how much, like what, what works and what doesn't work because I would do stuff like I can absolutely have a blizzard. If I want to have a Dairy Queen blizzard, I can have a blizzard in my window and I'm going to, because I want to open my window with a blizzard. Well, I can eat about three bites of a blizzard <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh, that's, that's, uh, I can't eat much more of that now. Right. And if I finish that blizzard, then I'm not going to want to eat anything else in my window. And that blizzard is not going to hold me over till next time I can eat. And I'm just, and then I started thinking, okay, yeah, I can eat a blizzard, but I don't want to eat the blizzard now. Like I want, that's the magic, right? Yeah, I, I want to have a bite of the blizzard. So I kind of think of myself as a tapas restaurant where I eat a couple of bites of this, a couple of bites of that, a couple of bites of this, because I like all these different types of food, but I don't have enough room to eat it in my space to eat it, desire to eat it, but I want the flavors of it. And I'm a little bit of a foodie. So I really do kind of have, um, yummy stuff when I eat. And, um, but I only have a few bites of everything because I just, there's, you, you only have so much time in that window. (laughs) That makes total sense. So you're, you're, it's like, it's like your window is a buffet with small servings of everything. I think that's perfect. My favorite thing to do with, with when I go out with girlfriends is to go to someone like somewhere like a tapas restaurant and order like all the things and have a little bit of everything. That is absolutely my favorite. That's why I like charcuterie so much. Yeah, me too. Me too. I love that. So anyway, I have What's what's crazy to me is 
in the middle of COVID, when I was on this upswing of everything kind of getting puffier and chubbier um, and all the stress of it, I feel like intermittent fasting helped me with my stress level. It helped me with, um, I, I have dropped going into, I'm turning 50 in like two weeks. And I, I did that proactive perimental pause course. And it really shifted gears on like how I was looking at, how I was working out, how I was eating, how I was moving, but not in this obsessive way, but just in a really like proactive way. And I have lost almost 50 pounds this year. Wow. Before I, between 49 and 50, when everybody's gaining the weight in the middle of COVID, it is, I'm lower than I was when I got married 20 years ago. Wow. Wow. And, and, and so I was at 12, you know, um, 212, I'm at 160, I, I'm at about 163, 164. And I don't even remember being at that number. Like I was less than that when I swam in college, but I don't ever compare anything to those days. <laughs> um, <laughs> a different reality. Um, oh yeah. But, but I, um, and what's interesting is that most people did not even notice, didn't say anything to me, didn't even notice until I'd lost about 35 pounds. Um, because like I said, I carried my weight fairly well. Um, but, and what people noticed first was my skin. They're like, wow, your skin yeah. looks amazing. Which is the opposite. When people drop that much weight, usually you look like a raisin, right? Um, and, and people are like, your skin looks so good. Or you look like haggard yeah. and drawn yeah. and like you might be sick. Yeah. 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 Like if you do a crash diet, you do not look good. There are pictures of me from like the early nineties when I had just done like some crazy diet and I was so thin and my face looked really terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. I, you know, when people went through the metafast thing, I was like, oh, yeah. you don't, you don't look good. You're thin, but you don't look good, um, you know. And I, I told my husband as I, as the weight was kind of coming off, I was like, if I start looking weird, you need to tell me because I'd rather be chubby than look bad, you know. Like I, I it's it's okay. I'll just I'll just end it right there. Um, but that's never happened. And you know, I lost that that big chunk of weight, and then I I lost like maybe a pound a month or two pounds that month. And then all of a sudden I'd lose six pounds in a month. And then I was like two pounds that month. It's just been slow and steady. Um, and now like I, once I got, like I had put my goal weight to be 180 um, when I started because, and that seemed like a joke. It seemed like a, an unattainable, ridiculous goal that I would never meet. And now I'm 15 pounds lighter than that. Um, I love it. And, and, I, um, and I just feel like what's one of the things that my, my clients would say a lot is that they, they've closed their diastasis. They're so much stronger. They're feeling really good. They can do stuff. They couldn't, they can pick up their kids. They can, they can run, they can do stuff they never did, but they feel like they still kind of, they're still carrying some of their weight. And they're like, my outside doesn't match my inside. One of my clients had said, and I, that really kind of, I didn't really feel that until I lost this weight. And now I really see how my, my 
I realized that my outside, my inside, I was kind of justifying, you know, I'm strong. I just have a different body type. And, and I think that's still valid. And I don't want to discount that because I do believe we're all made to be at different shapes and sizes and not everybody, you know, is going to be a size two and, or should they, you know, but I do feel like I move differently in this weight than I did with that extra weight. And I get that. Yeah. That makes total sense. You just, you carry yourself different. You feel different as you move through life. And as like the way you wear your clothes feels different. Yeah. And I always had, not always, but since I healed my core, posture is such a huge part of that. My posture is something that everybody, and I had horrible posture for the longest time. So it's, it was a real transformation. My posture is something that people comment on. They're like, wow, you, you are so confident and you stand so confidently. But now I really feel like my, my outside matches my inside. But then I've gotten to this point where I, on this journey, I, I, I have a very public a role in my business. My business is all online. I, I have an online fitness studio or rehab studio that does some fitness stuff, rehab based fitness stuff. And, and I film videos and online courses and I do a lot of video education, a lot of e-sessions. And I haven't mentioned, I started this on April 15th of last year. I haven't mentioned to anybody in my tummy team world that I was intermittent fasting. I haven't talked at all about it. I haven't talked at all about my weight or my weight loss. And I've been really kind of scared. I don't know how to say it, (laughs) how to talk about it, because I don't want to shift the focus of my business. But I also want people to know that this is to to learn from my story and I'm not a nutritionist and, or, or a dietitian or any of that that's not my background but everything that I present to my clients comes with a certain amount of medical professionalism so they take it as medical advice and I've always been you know really talking to my clients about really having nutritionally dense food and being you know kind to their body and, 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 and stuff like that. But I, I feel like I'm now at a point, I just filmed two courses and there's no way people can't see the change in my body. There's no way people aren't seeing, oh my gosh, what the heck has happened here. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to share that. And here I am sharing it on your website. <laughs> well, you know, I want I want to, you know, let you know, obviously when you're in the medical field, like you are, it does get a little more like, you've got to be a little more careful not to cross the lines of your, you know, like what your expertise is, yeah. what you, when it's not, but I'm, I'm a teacher. I don't, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not, you know, so that's what's inspiring me is that you're, you did it from an education point. Like I'm going to share my story and I'm going to give you the education behind it. And that's how I am. I am approaching this. I'm going to share my journey and I am going to give you the tools to maybe have this be part of your journey. And it, it really is parallel to a lifestyle change that I teach people in the rehab work that I do. It, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, rehab is just like this set of exercises you do three times a day and then you're better and then you can go back to doing everything you did before. And that's kind of the same mentality of like, oh, you do a diet, you do this stuff and then you can go back and eat any way you wanted before. And you're not going to have the same injury. You're not going to have the same problem, the same muscle imbalance if you do that. 
really my approach to rehab, and we call it functional core rehab, is changing how people sit, how they stand, how they lift, how they breathe, how they engage their core in every, the core is part of everything that you do. It's not a set of sit-ups. Sit-ups is actually not how your body was designed. No, nobody lays on their back and sits up functionally for anything that you do, unless maybe you're a car mechanic and you're underneath the car all day. That's the only functional job I could see. But everything else, when we lay down, we should be sleeping. We, we, I mean, we, we don't lay down to do anything functionally, but we've created all these. That's a great point. I never thought about that. My mind is spinning now. Like (laughs) I never thought about that. So you teach people to, to move your body, move their bodies like in a natural way. We do all of our core work is upright, standing, sitting, postural alignment. We work on the balance of the inside muscles and the outside. So everybody thinks about their washboard stomach, their rectus abdominis, what it looks like, you know, that flat tummy. But really what gives you a a waist is your corset muscles, your transverse abdominis that wraps around. And that's the muscle that pulls the two sides of the abdominal together to heal the diastasis. And that is a postural, respiratory, digestive, you know, that that's the muscle that that muscle is a functional muscle it's not a crunch muscle crunches we all sit crunched down our computers and um in the car and on our phones we don't need more crunches in our life you know it's kind of like saying somebody eats all meat and they need to be on a protein diet you know like you need a balance of extension and elongation and connection and your core connects you. So your arms and legs move. So it's all a part of that. And it's, and I create a lifestyle that how people connect to their core and then use it in their everyday life. And then there's like, well, can I go back to doing sit-ups? I was like, technically you can, because we balance things out, but why would you want to? It's kind of like, can I go back to eating blizzards all day? (laughs) Technically I ran in my window, but why would I want to? you know, when I know that this is a better way. And so it's been, it's been a very parallel journey for me. And it is gracious in the sense that there's some flexibility. It's not like these rules and it's individual. Um, But I, I feel like a lot of my clients that I did see when they're pregnant and postpartum are following me in to this next season of their life into this like functional core strong lifestyle. So they are going to be kind of resonating with intermittent fasting because that prenatal postpartum stage is not a time to be messing with people's nutrition. I mean, I think it's important to, to, to notice that you want nutritionally dense foods. You want to be fueling your body. You want to be kind to your body. You want to understand that. And, and I listened to one of your episodes with somebody that said, you know, it's not like you don't, if you do start intermittent fasting, you get pregnant again. It's not like you're going to forget everything you learned with intermittent fasting. You're not necessarily fasting, but you don't have to eat when you're not hungry. <laughs> you know, you don't have to eat. Correct. You know, yeah, like, exactly. You know, we, we don't recommend pregnant women or nursing mothers, you know, begin an intermittent fasting mm-hmm. lifestyle or like really restrict themselves no. to, to a window. That's the time to listen to your body, nourish your body yeah. and, and you need to put in good nutrients. Yeah. And I always, and, and I have a lot of postpartum women 
that want to like just jump back into fitness and do all this stuff. And I'm always like, you a lot of times need rehab before you need fitness. Like if you had, I don't know why we don't naturally do rehab after birth. I mean, it's the most transformative thing you've ever done. And why would you not think that you wouldn't need rehab? Like if you hurt your ankle, you would ace wrap your ankle and you would nurture your ankle and you wouldn't just get back on a trampoline and start running, you know, like you would, oh, yeah. you would progress it. And this, we don't give moms that same um, permission. And, and at the same time, they are keeping another human being alive by the juice of their boobs. Um, <laughs> True. You yeah. know? And, and so like their, their body is, is healing from, a huge traumatic event, trying to restore itself, trying to get back to some kind of um, stability and keeping a baby alive and probably carrying that baby around all day long. And so your body's already doing something. And, and so I always say, we want to rehab you, but we want to be careful how much, how fast we build muscle, because a lot of times our body cannot build a lot of muscle and keep our milk supply up at the same time. You can't, we, we have this illusion that we can do everything and we can do a lot of things, but we can't do everything well, <laughs> all at <laughs> you once, you know, yeah, and, do and, everything. and your body is, has to recover like with, with everything that recovery feel. period is very, very essential. It does. But then there's that stage where I know people are saying, okay, now what, how do I now shift? And now I feel like with intermittent fasting, I do have a tool for them that I'm not necessarily, I mean, I could share my journey. I'm not necessarily going to coach them through it, um, but I can share my journey. I can give them tools, your resources. And, and I feel like it is going to be such a blessing to so many people that have gotten that strong again and feel connected and, and have healed themselves, but now want to look at, okay, now how do I want? And sometimes people lose the weight first and then get strong. And unfortunately, I feel like that's what doctors will say all the time. Well, you're not going to be able, you just need to lose weight. You just need to lose weight. Any person that's overweight that has back pain, you just need to lose weight. Overweight and has a belly, you just need to lose weight. And if it was that easy, everybody would have already done it. You know, 100%. Yeah. That just feels like blaming the victim to me. It's a cop out by the medical community to say, you know, oh, you just need to lose 50 pounds. Right. Um, Yeah. You know, if that was easy, they, they know that that's insulting. So I have, I have loved the fact that regardless of how heavy somebody is, how much extra belly weight they have, um, we have been able to get their strength back that eliminates their back pain and eliminates their pelvic floor problems and helps them feel and function. And they do look better, but it's not a weight loss program. It's not a like get skinny quick program. It is a fortifying your internal structure. So your body runs well for the next season of your life, for this season and the next season of your life. But I feel like this component of intermittent fasting is, is a missing link that a lot of my clients want. And I provide a missing link that a lot of you know, the people that have lost the weight, but they still don't feel strong and they're not necessarily fitness people, but they know something's not right. I feel like losing weight makes you feel stronger because you're lighter, 
but you're not necessarily stronger yet. And, and so giving them that functional strength, I feel like there's this happy marriage between the two that could be really great for people having that overall, you know, health kind of overhaul that everybody's looking for, but don't, don't quite know how to get to. Let's circle back real quick to something that from the very, very beginning, you talked about how when you, when you realized what was going on with your, your abdominal muscles, surgery was presented to you as the only answer. You're going to just have to have surgery. We're going to fix it up <laughs> surgically. And, and you were like, yeah, I don't think so. How did you figure out you know, your technique for, for helping people you know, strengthen their core and then heal those muscles naturally. Like, like, how did you do that? Well, I honestly started saving for the surgery because everybody, um, all the PTs, all the doctors, they, they said this, is the worst diastasis I've ever felt, felt there's no way you're going to have to. So I just started saving for the surgery and I shared with my, with my girlfriends, cause we were going to plan a cruise together. I was like, I can't go on that cruise cause I got to get plastic surgery on my stomach. And they're like, what? And, and then I, I proceeded to, I, I proceeded to check all of them, my, my friend's stomachs at my, my birthday party. And they, <laughs> and they all had a diastasis. And I was like, wait a second, what is happening here? Like it, either everybody's falling apart or this is normal. And I knew it wasn't normal. And so then I started thinking, this is a bigger issue this is a bigger issue. And, and my PT mind kind of went down a track and, and there were a handful of people doing this type of work. And I started looking at what they were doing and, and all of what they were doing had this fitness bend to it, like do these exercises and do, do this forever and do this forever. And I was like, okay. And I really started taking, okay, I didn't even learn about the transverse abdominus in PT school, which is kind of ridiculous. We didn't learn any abdominal rehab stuff in PT school. We learned about legs and arms, shoulders and knees. We don't even learn. We learn about the back, but I mean, the core is the back. I don't know what we learn about it, but we didn't. So I just started experimenting with all of these different things that people were doing, but also I needed it to be gracious. I needed it to not be you have to do a hundred of these and 10 of these and this of this every day, because I knew I don't live that way. And I knew like, maybe that works in New York city, but that does not work in the Pacific Northwest. We are way more laid back out here. Um, and so <laughs> down here in the South, we're laid back. Too. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not like type A, you know, like, I mean, I can be, but that's not, that's not a long-term strategy. We need lifestyle. And because of my work in brain injury and stroke rehab, it was very functional integrated. You know, the brain connected to the body in a way that your body starts to relearn how to walk, not just on like this exercise, but actually going through the walking motion. So I was like, how does the core work? What is it supposed to do? And how do we backtrack to get it back to doing that? And so I I, I was my own guinea pig. And then all my girlfriends who also, they were my guinea pigs too. And, and that's how one of my friends, like, and then I was part of a mom's group and I was like sharing with my mom's group. And I wasn't thinking I was going to do it as a business, but one of my friends, it's like, it's like, you have a little tummy team and you're helping everybody with their tummies. And I was like, yeah, I do. And, 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 and then, and then somebody was like, I should pay you for this. You're actually a physical therapist. So I was like, Oh, maybe they should pay me for this. You know? And I started to then, and then I started seeing people in a clinic and I had my own clinic. And then 
I started, people were like, well, my sister lives in Alaska. Can you work with her on an e-session or like a Skype session? I was like, sure, I can try. And then I started realizing I'm saying the same things to people over and over again. Why don't I just put this in a video format and then people can watch the education. I can give them the tools and then, you know, I can see people around the world and, you know, the rest is history. That's fantastic. It reminds me so very much of why I wrote Delayed on Deny to start with my first book and also why I wanted to write an updated book when I wrote Fast Feast Repeat. You were found yourself saying the same things to people over and over again, right? Same with me. We had the Facebook groups. We people were the same. If you go to the frequently asked questions section of Fast Feast Repeat, those are the questions people asked 24-7 over and over again. And, and, and in fact, when I was writing the frequently asked questions section, I worked with all my moderators. I'm like, all right, here's the ones I have. Are there any I've forgotten? And they were able to pop in a few and they're like, yep, that's them. (laughs) And, and, and the people are like, how do you do rehab online? And it is, it it does seem like, how could you do that? Because I have all these very unique symptoms and you do have unique symptoms. And so does everybody else. The the, the body is the body and you might be a little bit different in this way. Your body may be compensated with upper back pain and this person compensated with sciatica, but it's still a compensation pattern all based on this missing link. And so if we've worked on the missing link, then we can see what's really going on. And, and when you start talking to thousands and thousands of people, you start seeing there's a pattern here. Everybody needs like a general path. And then there's some branches off that path that we go down, right? Based on what each individual thing, but everybody needs to know, everybody needs to know how to sit and stand and breathe and use the toilet and push a baby out. And I mean, these are things that we, we should have this as the owner's manual of our own body, right? Same with the stuff that you taught in your book. We should understand what food is doing to our liver, what food is doing to our insulin, what food is doing to what that, that spike drop thing is, you know, we should, that shouldn't be privileged information or not just privileged information, distorted information based on what somebody wants you to buy. You know, I love that you weren't selling a product. You're not selling some, you know, supplement. Nope. And, and never will. Yeah. And I, I am selling a product, but the product is education. You know, like I, right. Like that's what I'm selling. I'm selling education on your body that are going to give you lifelong tools to be strong, pain-free and, and healthy for the rest of your life, which is what you're selling too. Like you want them to yeah. have a lifelong strategy. And I can't, you know, I, I've gotten all, all kinds of people involved in intermittent fasting, my in-laws, my my friends, my husband, all kinds of people, you, you can't not talk about it. Just like you can't not talk about the core rehab that I do. It's like once you you don't have back pain, you can't not tell somebody how to not have back pain. Well, when you find something that's life-changing and broadly applicable to a wide variety of people, that's what it really sounds like here. You know, intermittent f- fasting, intermittent fasting is life-changing and broadly applicable to a lot of people. Yeah. And it sounds like what you do, strengthening the core, same exact thing. Life-changing, applicable to a wide variety yeah. of How people. many people do you know that if you said, do you feel like you have a strong core? They'd say, oh, yeah. I would say nine out of 10 people would say, I do not have a strong core. <laughs> well, that's pretty broadly. Right. You know, just like how many people could you say, do you have a good relationship with food? They'd probably say, 
I don't think so. You know, like it's pretty broadly applicable. So I think that, yep. I think that I love that you've shared. I mean, what you have shared and the way you shared it was exactly how I needed to digest the information. And I do feel like this has given me such freedom and empowerment over not just my food, but just my, my future. Like I, I feel like it's so freeing to not have to buy as many groceries, to not have to plan as many meals. Oh yeah. And my kids, I still have kids at home that we, you know, I kind of need to we feed. Um, <laughs> but they, one of them works and one of them has swimming at night. So we don't eat at the same time anyway. So I just make my meal, my main meal, like around four or five o'clock and people eat when they can eat. And sometimes we all eat together, but most times we don't. And that doesn't mean it's because of intermittent fasting. It just means because we have teenagers and they have, you're busy. Oh yeah. You know, before we before we wrap it up, would you tell people how to find you? Because I am certain there are all sorts of people listening. They're like, I think I need that. I need her help. How do they find you? Yeah. Well, it's really easy. It's thetummyteam.com. And everything you need to know is on that website. But I also do free 15-minute consults. If you have like, you really think, oh, I need to talk to somebody before I invest in this, you know, just talk to me. I would love to talk to you. But we have several online programs for prenatal, postpartum, for men, for women of all ages. And it's, it's really doable. And I'd love to help people. This is, you know, my passion because I, I, there was nobody to help me. And I was in a unique situation where I had enough educational background and enough personal experience and enough motivation to pull it all together. And I want to share that with you. I love that. Yeah, I get it. Ditto. So in in one minute or so, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say it's okay to start with small steps. Just start with, give yourself permission to um, not be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. It's okay if- I love it. If you, you know, if you really, really want to eat that thing, just talk to yourself about it. Do I really want to eat it? Yeah, I really want to eat that thing. And it's outside my window. Okay, go ahead. And then just start, you know, the next, the next day fresh and and see how you do. And I have a couple of tricks. One thing as I really do plan to be really busy in that power hour that you called, I just that delay, like I'm, I'm really hungry right now, I'm going to have a glass of iced tea. And I'm just going to see if I can wait 10 more minutes. And a lot of times I can wait an hour once I wait that 10 minutes. And if not, I waited the 10 minutes and I'm good. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. You delayed it. You, yep. you got busy. Ten, more minutes. 10 minutes or an hour. You still did yep. it. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being here today. And I hope that people who needed to hear this will reach out to you and find some help with their core. Thank you so much for, for just having me on and for everything you're doing. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey podcast. To hear more inspiring stories, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. And of course, to get more information, check out all that we do at thetummyteam.com. We would love to help you be strong for the life you were meant to live.